Thank you, Evan. It's actually good to be with people in person. Uh, I'm kind of zoomed out, if you're anything like me, this last year or so. Uh, this week I've spoken to people literally all over the world, but uh, from my, my own office uh, on Zoom. And it's always nice to get together with family, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward, and I hope we can get together with our families as Christmas. Some of my family lives overseas, and they're hoping to get back well over in England, so we'll see what the weather's like and whether the ferry is still on and whatnot. You know, we learn a lot um, in colleges and schools. There's been a big debate this year about uh, education, hasn't there? Um, and certainly for a few months the children worked at school and it was a challenge for parents trying to negotiate childcare and work and this and that. And then the children went back to school and now there's people who want the children to stop going to school and there's a whole debate because we really feel they'll lose out in their education and there's a lot that we learn in the classroom. And there's a lot we learn in college, there's a lot we learn in university and we have professionals who are paid to educate our children. But I think sometimes we forget that the classroom and the education system isn't the only place where we learn. We can learn a lot just from life itself, observation. We can learn an awful lot just through conversations with people. And I want to highlight this morning the importance of our conversations with one another. And how important conversations really are. And it's worthwhile giving a little bit of thought to conversation making. And we will have conversations over the next few weeks around dinner tables and, 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 and one way or another online and, and on the telephone or whatever. And we have these things all the time and very often we don't think about it. It's just natural. We just tire you and away we go. But if you look at the Bible... We learn more actually through conversations than actually through sermons. If you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, much of the things that we learn about Jesus in the Gospels were actually conversations at somebody's house for tea or dinner or in a boat or while they were fishing or walking along the road or sitting by a hillside. Conversations are really, really important. They are a really important part of life and we can learn an awful lot. And some conversations can be life-transforming. I mean, imagine the angel arriving to Mary and they have the conversation. Now, there was a conversation that was life-transforming. And uh, if it was today, we'd probably miss out a little bit on the political connotations of the conversation between Gabriel and Mary. Is it political? Well, you see, Caesar Augustus, who had called the census... He was collecting data. Does that sound familiar? He was collecting the data of people all over his empire so that he could tax them. Nothing's changed. People became numbers. They were just a number to him that he could get taxed from to go to war with. And he was also called, his name was Octavian, but he called himself Caesar Augustus. Uh, the venerable Caesar or the great emperor, you know. But he also called himself the son of the Most High, the son of God. That was part of his title. People who get titles, it can't go to their heads, can't it? We are seeing that this year a lot. 
people with titles playing God, you know, whatever the title is. And Caesar Augustus, you know, he, he had the title of the Son of God. And the angel arrives to Mary and says, you see your man over in Rome there? He thinks he, thinks he is somebody, but actually you're going to have a baby. And I'll leave it to you to explain that to Joseph. <laughs> you can do that bit. I'm not going to do the bit that you can do. But the bit that you can't do is that you're going to have a baby and he's not going to be like any other baby. Now, any baby is a special baby. They are a completely new person in the history of the world and there'll never be another one like them. I just find that staggering. Over 7 billion people on the planet and there's new babies being born and there, there's no replicas. And some might even look alike, especially twins. My daughter has twins and you'd know they're twins. But they're very different when it comes to personality. Incredibly different because we're all different. And this baby, Mary, what a conversation. He's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to be God, become man. And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And this baby will be like no other baby in the history of the world. And, you know, what a conversation. What a life-changing conversation. And I want to highlight this morning just the importance of these conversations from an old conversation that took place 3,000 years ago between a man and his father-in-law. I had a conversation with my son-in-law a few weeks ago and saved me a lot of money because he has, he has a lot of good ideas about what mobile phones to buy and what computers and what, you know, and, you know, and... He also has a shoe shop, so he has a kind of business mind on him. So having conversations with him can be often very profitable and also very revealing about what it's like for businessmen this year. And in Exodus chapter 18, there's a conversation between Moses and his father-in-law Jethro. And Moses has led the children of Israel out of Egypt, across the Red Sea. They've fed over 100,000, well, several hundred thousand men, women and children they fed them food, you know, tiny little turkeys called quail, and fresh bread every morning, and fresh water from the rock. Yeah, we, we get water today, and some of it's called the rock. Uh, but he literally had water from the rock, fresh water, for all these people, almost at least 600,000 people. That is some doing. And they now come to Sinai, they come to the mountain of God, and they're having a break. They're catching their breath, from what has been a momentous journey so far. I mean, they defeated, God defeated the Egyptian army. And that was some fight in itself. The greatest power in that part of the world at that time. And in chapter, uh, verse 7 of chapter 18, it says this. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. Bowed down and then kissed him, which was the custom. They asked each other how they had been and went into the tent Nothing changes, does it? It's always good to ask people before you get down to any serious business of conversation, just ask them, how are they? Let them know you care about them first before you try to get anything out of them or before you try to sell them anything or tell them anything or, or, or whatever, get down to serious transactions. Just simply ask, how are you? It's good business, but it's also polite. It also cultivates trust. It lets the person know they're more important than whatever else is going to come next. 
And so they have this conversation and they share how each other has, has been. And that is very Middle Eastern. You know, even today I have friends working in the Middle East and they'll say before they can have a conversation about the Lord or anything, they have to sit down and have a cup of tea. And that'll take 20 or 30 minutes. And it seems like terribly small talk. I've learned that with the farmers that live around me, you know. You've got to talk about the weather and you've got to talk about the sheep and you've got to talk about different things. And then eventually, maybe before you even separate, they'll ask you something really important. And, and that's what you've got to wait for, the opportunity. And so Moses and, and his father-in-law, they have this conversation. They went into the tent and in verse it says, Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake. All the hardships that confronted them on the way and how the Lord delivered them. Now, Jethro wasn't an Israelite. He was a Midianite. And he was actually a Midianite priest. He was of a, you could say, of another religious persuasion. The Midianites did have a relationship with the Israelites. They were long lost cousins because Midian was one of the sons of Abraham. After Sarah died and, and he took Keturah, another wife. And, and so you could say they were long lost cousins. But the Midianites worshipped idols. And they also, Yahweh, the, the God of Israel, was one of those gods. But he was you know, just one amongst many. The Baals and the Ashtoreths and all the other gods. And he was a Midianite priest. So this is an interesting conversation. Moses is saying in this conversation, look at what God has done for us. And here's Jethro's reaction. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the power of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro exclaimed, who rescued you from Pharaoh and the power of the Egyptians and snatched the people from the power of the Egyptians. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all gods. Now I know that Yahweh is the greatest. Because he did wonders with the, when the, Egyptian, the Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in God's presence. This is astounding. You know, with time and, and, and cultural distance and so on, we sometimes don't quite catch what has happened here. This is a life-transforming conversation between a father-in-law and a son-in-law. And I just want to highlight some things quickly in this whole conversation. In fact, I recommend you read the whole chapter because this is only half the conversation. Jethro was smart enough because Jethro had something to say to Moses as well. And that comes the next day. He let Moses sleep on the good news first and the rejoicing and the worship. And then the next day he said, now Moses, we need to have a conversation about your lifestyle. Because Moses was killing himself, running the show. Everybody was running to Moses for help. And he was the man. And he actually says that to Jethro further down the chapter. He said, I'm the man. God speaks to me and the people come to me and I speak on God's behalf to them and they, they ask me and I ask God and I'm the man. And Jethro says, you're mad? You're going to kill yourself? You're up early in the morning, you're going to bed late at night and you, 
people are getting dissatisfied and everybody's becoming unhappy and you're going to kill yourself. You need to rethink here. And so Jethro gives Moses some advice. And the incredible thing is Moses took it. He could have easily said to Jethro, who are you? You're just a Midianite priest. You're not one of us. But I think Jethro also was thinking about his family. In this scenario, Jethro brought Moses' wife and two grandsons because he had been looking after them while Moses had been in Egypt for several months. And so there was a family reunion took place here. I think Jethro was saying, I'm worried about my grandsons and my wife here, or my daughter here. They're never going to see their father. They're never, she's never going to see her husband. So there was a conversation that took place after this bit. But let me highlight five things in this chapter that we can apply as we approach this festive period. The first thing was the reunited family. The family were reunited. And family is precious. The most precious thing we have, they're the last line of defense in this wicked old world. That's where you're loved and people care about you. And families have trouble, you know that. We know from Genesis. Just look at Joseph's family, or rather Jacob's family. And it tells us that families can be places of heartache and trouble. And, and, and sh sometimes around Christmas when families get together and maybe there's too much drink involved and, 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 and stuff comes up from the past and it can end in disaster, can't it? But as believers, as Christians, we're encouraged in the Bible to love our families. In fact, it says if you don't care for your family, you're worse than a pagan. You're worse than an infidel. And we're encouraged by Christ to love one another as our Christian family. That's what we've done this morning, taking the bread and the wine, reminding ourselves we are family. And some of you have been working really hard this year to keep the family together. In this difficult year where families have been kept apart because of the COVID, I'm looking forward to Christmas. We are fortunate in Northern Ireland. We've got a bit of a reprieve from families. Hopefully, we're not there yet, but hopefully we can get together. I was talking to my friend in Marseille this week on Zoom, and only six of them can get together, and they have a family of about 26. So they're all going to the park. <laughs> going to be at the park and exchange gifts, and then... They'll work it out over a period of days when they all get together. Family's precious. And I want to encourage you to treasure your family. And any new members that have joined you in that family, treasure them. Pray for them. Love them. And work hard to keep them together. And when there are the ruptures that take place, pray and work hard to try and repair those ruptures. And Christmas can be a good opportunity to, I'm just thinking about you. You know, my brother-in-law called into our house yesterday morning with his son who's severely autistic. And he's been raising him now for years. He's now in his early 20s, the son, and sat around the kitchen table and caught up in all the news. Haven't seen him in probably two years. Great opportunity. I want to encourage you to value your family. So we have a reunited family in this. And then we have a rejoicing family. When Jethro heard all the good news, you know, Moses said, look at what God's done. He's taken us through the Red Sea. He's fed everybody. He's watered everybody. He's protected us against. He's delivered us from the power of Egypt, the powers of darkness. And Jethro was just overwhelmed. Wow, that's some God. My friends, as we approach Christmas, we've been singing about it this morning. 
we have a lot to tell people about the great things that God has done for us. The Bible says that the Lord Jesus has, or God has delivered us from the power or the kingdom of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Wow. He has delivered us from the powers of darkness. He's the light that shines in the darkness in the midst of winter. He is the bright and the morning star. God sent his son. This time it wasn't Moses that delivered the people. There's a lot of parallels, you know, as we've heard about this today in the Old Testament. A lot of parallels in the Old Testament and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses was the freedom fighter, the deliverer of Israel from the powers of Egypt. The Lord Jesus Christ has delivered us from the powers of darkness. He is the light that shines and he looks after us and he protects us and he joins us along the way. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, there's so many things that we can tell people. You know, I love to tell local fellowships, get your older folk to tell their stories. We love to hear new testimonies, you know, whenever new spiritual babies are born. I love to recommend that you get your older folk to just give a word of testimony because they have a lot to tell you. How God has been faithful and provided and blessed and helped them also through stormy seas. Moses, it says here, told Jethro about the tough, the battles. Yeah, the Egyptians were hot on our heels and we thought we were goners. But God delivered us. And the Egyptians drowned in the Red Sea. And people who have lived a long time have come through deep, deep water. And they're still here to tell you that God loves them and that God cares. That's a powerful testimony. And as we sit around the kitchen table or as we're online and we're having conversations with people, I want to encourage you not to be embarrassed or ashamed to tell people what God has done for you. God is good. I can honestly say to you this morning, if it wasn't for the Lord, I would not be here today. Growing up in North Belfast, many of my friends died during the paramilitaries during the times of troubles. And I just thank God he spared me by bringing me to the Lord Jesus Christ through the testimony of a little youth club in Ballysound Gospel Hall. And that didn't just affect me for my life, spared me my life now, and allowed me to get married and have a family and have grandchildren and all those things, but it's affected my eternity. And Jethro, we read in this passage, not only did he rejoice, I believe he became a true believer. He says, your God, Moses, is the only one. He is the greatest. And he decided he was going to sacrifice and worship God there and then. And I believe this is Jethro's confession of faith. This is when Jethro re really became a true believer. And then you have Aaron and the elders all joining Jethro to worship God. They'd never have done that if it wasn't clear. They would never have done that with an idolater. And they worshipped the God in God's presence. This was a transforming conversation for Jethro. Not only life transforming but transforming for all eternity. Who knows, maybe this Christmas sitting around, you know, a, a conversation with somebody, could be your family, your father-in-law, your son-in-law, your cousin, your, 
And you get an opportunity to say, hey, Christmas is not about all this stuff. It's about what God has done. The great things that God has done for us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's not all about the gadgets and the presents. It's about God's gift to mankind, isn't it? And we rejoice. I really love Christmas. And I enter into the spirit of rejoicing at God's great gift to mankind. What a conversation. You know, when you think about the birth of the Lord Jesus, I think about the conversations that must have taken place. You know, imagine Joseph saying to Mary, what do you mean you're pregnant? <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> you know, Elizabeth saying to uh, Zechariah, is it something I've said to you? Why are you not speaking to me? <laughs> you know? He was struck down because of his unbelief. You know? Uh, uh, you can imagine the shepherds in the field. Did you see that? You know? What was that? Did you see that? Was an angel singing? What? And the three wise men, what's that star there? It's on the move. Is that a shooting star? Seems to be going at a constant pace so that we can follow it. The conversations that must have taken place. Think about the conversations that are going to take place in your life over the coming weeks. And maybe just slip in, hey, God's good. If it wasn't for the Lord, we would not be here today. And let people see that you worship a higher power. You know, one of the things in the whole story here was that Pharaoh couldn't come to terms with the fact that he wasn't in control anymore. I mean, we're, we're, we're dealing with one pandemic Pharaoh had 10 to deal with. <laughs> and, and God delivered his people from that. And they couldn't cope with not being in control and you see that right through scripture. The people that were in power, every so often God reminds them they're not in control of everything. And we're seeing that this year. Wealthy people, people with great power, the most powerful men and women in the whole world, and they're powerless in front of an invisible enemy. And the Bible tells us there are principalities and their powers powers of darkness, things that cannot be seen that affect all our lives. Paul says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And friends, can I say to you kindly, do not forget Satan is real and the powers of darkness are real. And they act in people's lives. And there are people out there who want to destroy families. And there are people out there who do not want you to rejoice. If you don't believe me, just listen to the news for five minutes. And then this rejoicing and this worshipping, you know, after they had a great day, catching up on each other, worshipping the Lord, Jethro coming to faith in God, they slept on it. And the next day, Jethro, he says to Moses, point three, you need to reevaluate your life, Moses. And I, can I say to you kindly, this time is a good time for all of us to reevaluate have we got the balance right? And Jethro says to Moses, You need to reevaluate here, Moses. You haven't got the right balance for a husband and a father and someone who's trying to lead a people. You need to get the balance right. You need to work a bit less, Moses, and delegate a bit more. You need to choose people over a thousand, over a hundred, over fifty, over ten, and delegate. And he didn't just say delegate, he was meaning empower them. Tell them to get on with it. 
You give somebody a job, now that can apply to the situation in your local church or a Christian mission. I'm working on this on mission. And it can apply also to evangelism. Evangelism isn't just the case of one or two specialists who've got the gift. We've all been called to share our faith. Every last one of us. Because we're all in different mission fields. And in the local church, we can empower others and say, look, just get on with it. You don't need to ask me, I trust you. And, and that's what Jethro was saying to Moses. Don't just delegate. Tell them, don't bother me unless it's a really big issue. And, and there's big lessons here about how to manage and how to, if you want to survive, Jethro was saying, it goes on to say, if you want to survive, you'll persevere if you do this. So there was a reevaluation of the work-life balance. Some of us maybe need to work less and give more time to our families. Some of us maybe, certainly at the moment with the pandemic and not being able maybe to go to work, maybe need to create a way of working more and, and make lists for yourself or ask your wife about the lists of all the things that she's been waiting for you to do for years. You know, but it's, it's a good time to reevaluate have we got the balance right? And then finally, there was a redistribution of things. He didn't just reevaluate, he did something about it. He actually did appoint people. And the story goes, they survived. Moses was happier. The people were happier. He got people involved who had gift that was latent. And the people weren't benefiting from other people's gifts. He got everybody involved. And then finally, there was a resumption of the journey. At the end of the chapter, it says, Jethro went home. I think he went home a happy man. He got the, he got the Lord... He got a, a, a son-in-law who had a better balance in his life. He got a better relationship with his son-in-law. He was happier for his daughter, Zephyrah, and for his grandsons, knowing that their father and husband were going to take better care of them. He resumed the journey, and Moses did the same. Interesting thing, and I'll close with this. The next conversation Moses has was with God. In the next chapter, Moses goes up the mountain. He goes into God's very presence. And can I say to all of us, and I'm speaking to myself, don't forget God over this Christmas period to have a conversation with him. Just you and him. Either in your bedroom or your office or if you're driving the car, keep your eyes open. But don't forget, you can have a conversation with God. You don't need, doesn't need to go through somebody else. You can have direct access to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a privilege. What a privilege that was. And I believe that Moses was blessed by God because Moses knew how to listen. He knew how to listen to his father-in-law and he knew how to listen to God. And that's part of conversation, isn't it? It's two-way. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. And as we approach this special time of year where we'll get together as families and with friends, and Lord, bless our conversations. And may other people be blessed through our conversations and the words that we sow into their lives. Lord, make us a channel of blessing. And we thank you for this wonderful true story of Jethro coming to trust the only true greatest of all gods, and we thank you, Father, that you have revealed yourself to us through your dear Son, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for the many things that you've done for us in Jesus' precious name.
Amen.